1: Welcome on into the mom show today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Pioneer Day weekend. I hope you're getting to celebrate with your friends and family. Okay, I want to talk today about uh, sort of a personal, I don't know if you call it a struggle, but something personally that's going on with uh, my son. And that is that he, uh, over the last, I don't know, six months or so, has uh, kind of struggled to form words. And um you know, we've been to his well visits. He's 19 months old now. And, um, you know, when they say at 12 months, you're supposed to have one word. He didn't really have one word. Like his language is very slow to develop. And I would say in the last, you know, six, eight, nine months or so, his language has taken off, but he doesn't have any clear diction. He only has like, uh, sounds that equal words. And I know what they are. Cause they, you know, like he says, Uh, for ball, he says, ba, or for car, he says, ka. And so like, he knows words, (laughs) but they're just not clear. And so we started to kind of feel like um, something might be going on with his speech. And so just this past week, we had his hearing tested and his um, fluid tested in his ear to see if he had he's never had ear infections or anything, but just to see if he had fluid in his ear that could be, you know, the doctors were saying it kind of sounds like you're talking underwater, right? Or you can't really hear yourself talk. So that all came back normal. So now I'm finding that the next step is possibly early intervention. And I'm starting down this rabbit hole of I have no idea what this looks like. So at my disposal, experts who know how to do these things. So I wanted to talk today and in full disclosure, it's just because it's my own personal struggle right now uh, about what to do if your your child is having a speech delay or any sort of delay before the age of even three right joining me now kim dutro allen she is a speech language pathologist has worked with the early intervention program kim thanks so much for joining me today
2: thank you for having me
1: okay first and foremost tell me does my story sound normal does it sound like what a lot of parents go through
2: Yes, it does. It does. And right about that age, too, because I think at one, we kind of think, oh, there should just be like, you know, one or two words. And I usually do see around 18 months is where parents really start to worry about that, how many words they're saying, how they're saying them. So it's a really common thing. And I feel like a lot of parents aren't familiar with the early intervention program and where to get help. So I am so glad to be talking about this today and getting some more knowledge out there
1: yeah and I do want to talk all about that program and so we will in a minute but first and foremost I mean I'm still in kind of the stage where like how do I know if something is even wrong because all, all the times I've sort of put this out on the internet people are like oh my kid didn't talk till he was three and it was fine and then he started started talking in full sentences and I hear that a lot and I'm fine to just kind of like wait it out but I also want to be more aggressive if there is a problem
2: yeah Yeah, for sure. I hear that a lot. The, well, I didn't talk till I was five kind of thing. And you know, there is a range of normal, but at the same time, like, there's not a reason to not get help if you need it, you know, if you need it and you think your child needs it, um, then I feel like number one, go with your gut. Um, Number two, you can talk to your pediatrician, but you don't have to have his his or her permission or a referral before you call an early intervention system. Um, But there are, you know, some milestones that we expect kids to have. Um, The CDC website is a great place to find lots of the different milestones. And I think they even have an app where you can like kind of check them off as they're happening and kind of look at those. But as far as speech and language goes by uh, 12 months, we expect, you know, about five to 10 words coming out. By 18 months, they should have about 50 words. Um, by 24 months, it's you get to the point where it's like they have too many to count that right. they have 200 to 300 words is kind of the normal and they're starting to put two and three words together. Um,
1: yeah. And my pediatrician said by two, it's like uh, two or three words that somebody else can understand.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they should, you know, by by about 2, you should understand about half of what your kid says. And then like by 4, it should be at least 75 and by age 5 it should be 90. So it kind of, you know, if if you're 2 year old you understand about half of what they say or maybe you as the mom understand all of it, but like, you know, grandma understands about what half of what they say. That's pretty typical, but um they should be, you know, improving and getting closer to that. You can understand, you know, more than a quarter, more than three quarters of what they say.
1: Yeah. So those are
2: some of the things I would look for.
1: Okay. So uh, what do you make? And I don't know if you can really assess my child without having seen him or anything, but oh,
2: I cannot. <laughs> what, what do
1: you make of his language not being clear? Like he has a lot of words, but the diction isn't there.
2: Yeah. And that is pretty typical of the age. Um, So there is a chance that they might say like, yeah, he sounds like an 18 month old, but I, I feel like you, because you're worried about it, it's still worth pursuing an evaluation. The other things that a lot of kids do, well, they have these patterns of errors. So a lot of kids will leave off like the ends of words, which it sounds like he's doing and technically that's typical until um, about age three that they leave off the ends of words. There's other things like we all know that lots of kids start to say their R's as like W's they'll, so they'll say wabbit and there is a period of time where that's pretty like developmental and then they kind of grow out of it and figure it out. But um, I would just say if you're concerned there's probably a reason to be concerned and yeah. if it's nothing else than to set your own mind at ease I would I would at least call and get a hold of somebody
1: well and we are going to talk about the you know the early intervention program because that is paid for by our taxes right it's a state run yeah. program so it's not going to hurt you and it's not going to cost you any more than you've already paid to look into that program
2: yeah
1: So tell me a little bit uh, in our last 30 seconds here. We'll pick this up in the next uh, segment. If you can just give me a quick 30-second summary of what Early Intervention is.
2: So, yeah, Early Intervention is a state-funded program, um, and it provides services for children under the age of three, and they have physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, eating and nutrition services, hearing and vision consultations, and specialized instructions for kids with autism spectrum disorders. So you get all of that in one spot.
1: Okay. And so you can just look it up through the state health department. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. We'll take a break more with Kim. She's a speech language pathologist. She's helping me all with my own problems here. (laughs) And my son, uh, who's having a little trouble with his language. We'll talk more with Kim when we come back on the mom show.
0: You've joined the mom show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Eriks on KSL News Radio.
1: Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. We're having a conversation today about how to know when your little guy or girl needs uh, some early intervention. Early intervention is a state-run program by the state of Utah um, that can help with uh, delays, whether they be developmental or whether they be physical or Uh, emotional or or any of those things. So um, not only talking about that program, but just I'm having my own experience with this where my 19 month old son is kind of having trouble um, forming some words. And so I'm wondering at this point, (sighs) do I go down this rabbit hole? Basically, I have zero knowledge (laughs) of this world. And so I've brought in someone who can help Uh, assess, not even assess my son, but help me figure out the direction to go. Um, Kim Dutro-Allen is a speech and language pathologist, has worked with the Early Intervention Program. Kim, thanks for joining me on The Mom Show. Thank you. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about how do you know uh, if your child has a little bit of um, delay. Can you recap that for us a little bit? Like, how do parents know when they should get involved with the Early Intervention Program?
2: Yeah, so I... I, as far as just covering language, cause that's, and speech, because that's my area, but there's lots of other things, you know, like if they're not walking by 18 months and things like that. But um, I would say watching for things like, do are they starting to put words together by the time they're two, that they have, you know, more words than you can count by the time they're two, they should have about 200 to 300 words. By 18 months, they should have about 50 words. And then just how much you're understanding them. Two-year-olds, we really, unfamiliar listeners probably understand about half of what they say. Um, But if you feel like everyone's just having a hard time understanding them, then that's something that you can get help with. And I would say the biggest thing is just if it's having a major impact to your life, your daily life is hard because you can't communicate. And that's a time where you can go and see if it's like enough that you can get some help with it.
1: Well, I think there's probably a lot of frustration. This is what happens in my house, right, is the baby is 19 months old and he can't really tell us what he needs. So there's a lot of yelling And there's a lot of, "Mm, mm." there's a lot of whining and it does start to grate on you. And you just, you see these power struggles with the kids who you can see it in his eyes that he wants to communicate. Like, he's like, I need to tell you something, but I can't figure out how to tell it to you. And then I just get frustrated and yeah, it's hard.
2: And some of that, you know, when they're learning to communicate, some of that is typical. I have a almost 18 month old she's 17 months and and we're at that stage too where she knows what she wants she knows what she wants to say she doesn't always have a way to say it to me so there's some of that that's typical but I you know if you've talked to your pediatrician and you've looked at those milestones that you can find places like the CDC website and you're just like we're not hitting them we're not where we should be at, or I just don't feel right about it, definitely call. And there's different, so the early intervention programs run through the State Department of Health, um, and it varies by county, which agency is going to handle that county and their services. So if you just look at the Utah Department of Health and look up early intervention, you'll find those phone numbers there. And an evaluation is free through them. So they'll, if you give them a call, they'll do kind of a screening to see what areas need to be evaluated in, and then they'll come out, send specialists out to evaluate them in all those areas, which is also nice because sometimes we might not even know what we don't know, you know, we might not even know that they're behind in feeding or something like that, that we were so focused on them talking that we didn't see these other areas that they might be below on, so that 's something that 's really nice, um, I would say that early intervention services can have a fee with them just because the funding source is different than the schools, but it's always income based and um, for families that might be accessing things like Medicaid, those services are are free too so okay. don't let the cost scare you off of um, of asking for services because. They're a great program to work with, as far as you know, assessing families' needs and if they need help getting those services.
1: Right. Yeah, that could be a barrier for some people getting help. Is I I can't afford a, a medical bill or anything like that. Yeah. So okay, Kim Dutro Allen is a speech language pathologist. She's worked with the early intervention program. Um, so, Kim, my 19 month old son was a very late walker. Like he didn't start walking till about uh, between 17 and 18 months. And that kind of worried us too. It was like, man, this kid's just taking a sweet time. But again, everyone was sort of like, oh, my kid didn't walk till 18 months. And like, every, and everyone tries to tell you that boys are slower than girls, right? Because I have a, a older girl who's five and she's like, you know, took off, right? By 10 and a half months, she was walking. And so that's the only milestone I know to compare it to. But what is normal when it comes to, um, you know, someone told me that, Uh, when they're working on one skill, they kind of lag in development of the other. So trying to walk first was him and then the language kind of hasn't come online yet.
2: Yeah, I think that might've been me that told you that. Oh, oh, (laughs) that was you. (laughs) I don't know. I try to tell people that, that you do see that sometimes if kids are focusing on one skill, it's like all of their resources go to that one skill. And until they can figure out that one skill, the other areas of development might lag a little bit um but there is there's always a range of normal and it's a range it's not like there's one set age they should be walking by now they should be talking by now um but you know keep looking at those developmental norms um that I don't have all of them in front of me right now and I'd be really boring if I sat here and said all of them to you but there's the CDC website is a great place to look those up and you know if you're I don't know, like three months, because there's so little that like even a month can make a big difference. So I don't always love the, like, let's wait and see mentality of um, sometimes when those kids are really little because three months is a long time in development when you're that little and things are going that fast. So I would always, you know, it might not be getting services right away, but you could ju- you could ask, um, online or ask your pediatricians what are some things I could do to start encouraging this so we can get to that next step. And then if you if even a month down the road or three months down the road you're still concerned, I would go ahead and make that call. Don't let it be six months. And sometimes when our kids get older those pediatrician appointments get more spaced out. So it might be six months before you see your pediatrician again. I wouldn't wait that long. If it's three months and I'm still worried, I'm calling because they're little and there's lots of things that they have to develop in a short amount of time.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was sort of my other question is, um, you know, everyone tells me too, that this, you know, he's 19 months again, that there's some critical time here for language development. What can happen if you wait not to scare people, but like what, uh, what if we did just wait until he's two and a half to figure out if this is even a thing?
2: I see that all the time, and we still have kids make lots of progress. So it's not it's not a hard fast. We missed our window, right? Kind of thing. I guess the
1: question is, isn't going to make it harder down the road to correct the language yeah. if we don't assess it now?
2: Yeah, um, I would say, and the research says too that early intervention is always. The best. The earlier you can catch those things, the more that you are providing them um, language that fits their a normal developmental trajectory. If you get them on that that path that they're gaining, instead of just staying the same, then that gap later um, can close. Okay. So the earlier, the better, but. There's never a time where we're like, oh, you're too late.
1: Right. We can't fix this. Yeah. Yeah. Kim Dutro Allen. She's a speech language pathologist. Kim, when we come back, I want to know what you do with kids. I want to know how you help fix the, these language problems. Like, what does it even look like? We'll talk about that when we come back on The Mom Show.
0: It's the toughest, most important job in the world. for kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
1: Welcome back into the mom show today. Thank you for joining us. I'm talking today with Kim Dutro Allen. She is a speech language pathologist. She's worked with the early intervention program and full disclosure, selfishly, I've had her on the mom show so I can figure out what to do with my own son. He's 19 months old. He's having some language problems. He has a lot of words, but his words are not clear. And just this week, this is top of mind for me because I had his language tested, or I had his hearing and his fluid tested and all his physical tests seemed to come back normal. Um, just suggesting that it's he's not, not talking because he can't hear or, um, you know, he doesn't have fluid in his ears or anything like that. So uh, that was kind of the first step for us is ruling that out. And we did have some abnormal, they call them tampanogram tests at our... Um, at our pediatrician's office. So that's what kind of signaled to us, um, that maybe this could be a hearing thing. And secretly we were sort of like wanting it to just be a physical thing because then it's like, okay, put the tubes in his ears and then he's good to go. Right. It was just a simple fix. But now that we're kind of starting down this rabbit hole, if it could be a language thing and a developmental thing, it's a little bit more vague and a little more almost scary because you're not really sure what's going on for him. Or if it's just like, it's going to take a little while for his language to develop and that's fine too. So Kim, you are a speech language pathologist. Um, I want to know um, what do you do with kids when their language is not where it needs to be?
2: Yeah. So I feel like early intervention looks different than any other services kids will get in their educational world. Um, Early intervention is home-based. So well, during COVID. <laughs> it's not, it's virtually home-based. Right, right. In our normal world, um, it is home-based. So you're not going to have to load up all the kids for an appointment every week. Um, we really want to be in your home to see your environment and see how we can best help you within your home. So all of those uh, people that are giving you services are going to come to your home. And the other thing about it is it focuses on the whole family. So it will focus on things like what's your daily routines and how can we help you in this, these routines. And it also, there's not so much the medical model where it's like this professional is going to come in and fix your child for you. It's much more of a team. So they are going to teach you techniques to help in your everyday situations in your everyday life and help you push your child's um, development along
1: okay now you sent me a book on instagram which i haven't looked into yet but it was called it takes two to talk what does that mean like what am i supposed to be doing to help facilitate his language
2: Yeah, so that's a book that's put out by the Hannon Program, which is an awesome program that has classes and things that um, kind of help parents become that communication partner for their child. And I always have this, like, worry that when we tell parents, we're going to help you communicate with your child, that the parent's going to think, well... I'm the reason my child's not communicating. Right, right,
1: right. Which I'm over, I am don't have mom guilt. It's fine. I'm over that.
2: It's, yeah. yeah. Yes. This is not so, my fault. <laughs> I'm glad you don't have mom guilt. No. <laughs> but some of it, it's just a fact. Our kids aren't communicating. That's a fact. It's not anything we did. It might be something we did. It might not, but it doesn't matter why they're not. But there's always things that you can do to help them communicate more, to help them communicate better, And that's our job as the speech language pathologist in early intervention is to show you all of those techniques.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, many parents, this isn't just for moms, right? Dads can be having these conversations with kids, too. We just want to help. Right. We just want our kid to be able to feel better. And I mentioned this in the last segment, but there's a lot of frustration when your kid can't talk, when your kid can't communicate with you. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of grunting. There's a lot of just, you know, like needs. And I, I've always noticed that my 19 month old has been just kind of generally fussy. Like I can't, I mean, he's kind of mellowed out now, but, um, you know, especially where that he was 12 months to now 19 months, these kind of like last, you know, seven or eight months, um, the language has sort of come online a little bit and at least in him figuring out that he, can use these sounds to communicate, but again, the sounds aren't very clear, and like somebody else couldn't understand what "ba" is, but I know that's a ball <laughs> or dog is duh, right? So, um, what are some of the, I mean, is there any like practical strategies that you can even give parents, like in sort of a general way? Like, here's one exercise you can do if you're, if you're afraid your kid isn't, their language isn't where it needs to be.
2: Yeah. So, um, The first thing I always say is increase the amount of time that you spend talking with them and to them. So that could be even doing things that you do every day, but narrating it while your child's around. Uh, I saw a quote somewhere that it says, parents who just talk as they go about their daily activities expose their child to 1,000 to 2,000 words every hour. Wow! So just you know, being like, I am washing the dishes right now. I am washing this plate. And you do have to have like your child's attention. Then they have to have, be in tune to what you're doing. And maybe you take a break and talk about what they want to talk about too. But just giving your child lots of language can help them with that.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I look at him and I say, ball say ball, and he just stares Mm -hmm. at me blankly. I don't think I'm doing it right.
2: (laughs) it's okay. Um, I do notice that some kids talk less when they have more pressure on them to talk. Mm, Okay. I tell parents to try not to say, say this. It's so hard because I even do it too. It's like our instincts when someone's not doing something to tell them to do it. Right. So a better strategy is like if you were doing the thing with a ball is maybe you just say ball and you have this like long, nice wait time where you see if he tries to says, say it. And if he says it and he says it wrong, you just say, yeah, that's a ball. Mm. So it's like you correct him without telling him that was wrong.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yes. I have a lot of words to do that uh, with. Um Okay. So Kim Dutro Allen, she's a speech language pathologist with, uh, has worked with the early intervention program. Kim, what el- what else do you see as common things that parents are struggling with when they come to you and get help for their child's speech?
2: So I would say another thing can be some of that social interaction that those play skills and things like that. And those are some red flags for autism. Um, that we want to look for because we know with autism too, early intervention is key. So with things like that, it's things like, are they avoiding eye contact? They have no pretend play by the time they're like two or three. Um, They're not pointing to objects. They get really upset by minor changes. And those can be some red flags for autism too, which we would want to have, you know, some pretty intense uh, early intervention services for But I would also say if your child has a language delay and your child has a delay in understanding, sometimes that can look like autism, but it's not always autism. So I don't want to scare parents that like all parents think of my kids not talking yet. It's autism because that is, you know, kind of a lifelong diagnosis that can be scary. It doesn't have to be, Um, but there are things that can look like autism and not be autism and there is autism and it's good to have a specialist in there to look at that and tell you which one of those things is going on.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know for sure. Um okay, Kim, are there any like just basic building blocks of language and maybe child development too that parents should be aware of as far as like what are some of the things like the fundamentals of language that May signal that something's just normal, like kids take a while to be able to do the L sound or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
2: So I would say our most early developing sounds are like P, B, M, um, H, W, T, D, N. I think I got those all. So those are the ones that you should be hearing first. There are later developing sounds like the W, or not the W, the R sound, which kids a lot of times will produce is the W sound. Um, S sounds can be later developing. And so some of those are kind of typical for kids to kind of leave off or say wrong uh, another thing they do is there's, like, certain patterns of errors with sounds they're not able to say yet. So anything that might have, like, two sounds together, like star, they might just say tar. And that's pretty typical up into a certain age, about three. And then um, other things, like leaving off the ends of sounds, you know, they might just say da for dog which I know that you said that your little guy was doing. And there is some of that that is just typical. They have to learn how to put those sounds at the end. And a lot of kids just kind of go through that stage and do that. Naturally, they start adding those ending sounds on, and some kids have a delay in that. So that's kind of with um, as far as speech sounds go. And then you also want to look at their understanding of language, too. I feel like the producing language is easier for us to see, it's kind of that, that all of the understanding is like the iceberg that's under the water. And then the tip of the iceberg is like what we see when they communicate with us. So you also want to make sure that they're doing things like um, following one to two step directions. They point at something when you name a picture, they can answer questions like, where's daddy? And maybe they do that with like pointing instead of words at a point, but that they show that they're understanding
1: your language too okay that's really good some really good practical tips there kim dutro allen she's a speech language pathologist um we'll take a break one more segment with kim when we come back on the mom show
0: back inside the mom show dads are welcome but moms come here to be heard we're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio.
1: Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I've been having a conversation today with a speech language pathologist because my 19 month old son has uh, not had his language come online as fast as I think that maybe it should have. But I'm not quite sure yet because I'm sort of in this new world of like, I think we might need to do some early intervention, and I don't know what that looks like, and I feel really overwhelmed by Googling things. So (laughs) I'm here to lay it all out for you succinctly, and that is that there's an early intervention program that's run through the state. Um, and so you can get your kid assessed, whether it's language or development, I'm now understanding, or it's, you know, some even physical delays, um, you can get your kid assessed, uh, by the state run program. So Kim Dutro Allen used to work with early intervention and she's a speech language pathologist. Kim, thanks for joining me on the mom show. Thank you. Okay, so uh, we've talked a lot about, you know, early intervention, some of the normalcies of development, at least for language. That's kind of my specific issue. But um, what are some of the reasons you see that parents don't get help with kids before the age of three?
2: I would say one of the main ones is they think, well, I didn't talk until I was five or, (laughs) you know, kind of that. That everyone in our family was kind of slow at it or I have a boy and they talk later. Kind of those those feelings of, well, maybe we don't need it yet. <laughs> and I would say that the earlier is always better. There's never a reason to under the re- age of three to be like, well, we're going to wait a year and see. A year is a long time when we're talking about development. Even six months is a long time when we're talking about development in those early years. So if you can get in and see, are we on track or are we behind and we need some help? And that can be all that that call is, is that someone, you know, they come out and evaluate your child through the early intervention system. And they say, yep, looks like they're on track. If you want us to, we can help you keep track to make sure that they're staying um, up with their peers. But at this point, it looks like they're normal or maybe they're on the low end of normal. Here are some strategies that you could do or yes they need services and we're going to start coming into your home to help you get those services. Yeah,
1: and I just don't see any reason not to do this if you're concerned about some of this development. Right. Like it just like it's not going to hurt, right? There's 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 no reason it it would hurt your child.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the other reasons is they don't want their child to be labeled and they think a label is going to hurt. The first thing I would say is calling it something doesn't make it different like if there's a duck in your yard and you're like I'm not gonna call it a duck that doesn't change the fact that it's a duck (laughs) (laughs) you know the calling it something doesn't change the fact that you're struggling and so that was my number one thing is we worry about labels but we know our kids are having a hard time so if we have to put a name to it to get services let's do it because we're struggling anyways. The other thing is with early intervention, there's lots of times we can get them caught up by the time they're three. I am, and I worry about saying lots of times. It's not every time, but we do start on that, you know, that trajectory of their gaining instead of their staying the same and they're staying behind. So that's another thing is they could get early intervention, hit kindergarten and no one ever knows that they even had a problem. That does happen. So, a label in the early intervention of being, you know, having a language delay or having a speech delay doesn't necessarily stay with them forever.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about the label. I can understand how a parent might feel that way. I. Just never even thought of that i was like i don't know i'm just gonna get him some help <laughs> like why wouldn't i yeah. um okay so kim dutro allen uh, worked with the early intervention program she's a speech language pathologist kim you've worked with i imagine hundreds of kids uh you know in their homes helping them develop their language my little guy doesn't say his words clearly at all are there exercises that i can be doing with him to help develop his language
2: Yeah. One I really like is finding um, an activity or a book where they maybe hear the sound that they're missing a lot. So if your child's like not saying the G sound, you could, you know, find, um, you could play with cars and do go, go and have lots of that sound in there. Or if they're not saying the R sound, which is normal until they get a little bit older, you could do something like, you know, you're going to play row, row, row row your boat. Uh, you're going to read Little Red Riding Hood. You're going to be a monster and say roar. So we want to focus more on not making them say it, but letting them hear it correctly lots of times and have an opportunity to say it. And then you can, you know, say it correctly back to them, but not say like, oh no, it's not a daw, It's a dog. Like you, you can just say, oh, that's a dog. And so you're showing them the correct way to say it without letting them know they said it wrong, which can, you know, if anyone's telling you, you that you're doing something wrong, you want to not do it. Well, it's
1: like hiding vegetables in mac and cheese. Like <laughs> you, you blend up the carrots and the squash and it makes a cheese sauce, but you're still getting vegetables, right? You're kind yeah, of just yeah. like helping them without, you know, overcorrecting them.
2: Exactly. So that's what I would do for sounds. Uh, if your child's just not saying enough words, I like to take off the pressure again and not tell them to say words but use lots of like pauses and wait time to cue them it's your turn to say something um sometimes I call it you give them a look I call it the like door explorer face where you have those those big eyes and you're just waiting for them to say something (laughs) like she does when she's waiting for the kids on the tv to answer a question So that can help too, just adding some pauses in there and cueing them. It's your turn to say something. It's your turn to do something. Increase that amount that they're trying to communicate.
1: Some really, really good tips. Kim Dutro-Allen is a speech language pathologist. Kim, if people want to find you, I know you do some independent contracting work. Can people just hire you straight out?
2: Yes, I do. I have a private practice and right now I'm doing, well, all of the time I do strict uh, teletherapy model so if that's something people are looking for they can reach out to me um they can just email me at kim.speakuplistenup@gmail.com. at gmail.com that is um my company is speak up listen up so I contract with schools and provide uh, teletherapy services there and and then I see some kids um in private speech too
1: Okay, very good, Kim Dutro allen And I should give you a chance to plug a new podcast you're doing as well, too, right?
2: I do have a podcast. Um, it is for speech-language pathologists or others that are interested in the field. And I am a co-host with my friend, uh, Todd Houston, and we started a podcast to help other people who are having to jump into this world of providing services online to do that. So it is called Telepractice Today, And it is on, um, I know it's on Apple Podcasts and also on Google Podcasts. So you can find us there.
1: Very good. Kim Dutro, Ellen, thanks so much for all your advice and your help today. Hopefully this will be helpful for any other parents that are sort of in my similar situation.
2: Yeah, I hope so.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on The Mom Show.